This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another great show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, as usual, we'll be looking at our business tips. Today we're going to look at uh, what we do when we get that comment back, it's not my job. How do we handle something like that? We're also going to be talking with John Cayley from the Lake Macquarie Business Centre about uh, the use of business specialists and how important it can be to uh, helping our business grow. But right now we're going to talk with Kerry Lee Mitchell from Mission Australia about Australian apprenticeships. Good afternoon, Kerry Lee. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Um, What is an Australian apprenticeship? The term Australian apprenticeship refers to apprenticeships in the traditional sense that people understand for regular trade training. That's usually a four-year term. It also refers to traineeships. Now, traineeships could be a 12-month term, a two-year term, or greater, depending on the field of study. And the other thing that's uh, a little bit newer is what's referred to a school-based traineeship or apprenticeship. And that's for people that are still at school, generally in years 11 and 12, but could start while someone's still in year 10, um, where they're actually achieving a vocational education qualification combined with work and school. So with that vast range now of covering under that term, does that mean just about anybody could do one? Quite likely. Traineeships and apprenticeships are relevant to new staff for, for any employer but they're also relevant to existing workers as well. Mm. So there's government funding available to support the labour force upskilling, whether it be new people that you're putting into your business or, or your existing staff. Now and this, there's no age restriction. And these are all governed by Australian apprenticeship centres? That's right. Um, we, What the Australian Apprenticeship Centre does, and Mission Australia as an Australian Apprenticeship Centre, advises employers on what the options are for their new and their existing staff. So we look at the job descriptions, how that might fit with a vocational training order, and then what would be the relevant training course for the staff. Um, We create the paperwork that creates a training contract and register that with the state training authority. So uh, what are the obvious benefits then for an employer? Well, the first and most important motivator and benefit for an employer should be that you're going to to be having staff that are actually skilled and qualified in the area that you want them to be qualified in. There's so much variety and uh, flexibility now around the delivery of the training programs. For example, a training organisation could come to the workplace with a... uh, a set of learning resources, workbooks, for example, and work with your new employee or your existing employee on generic questions that focus your employee on how you want your business done in your workplace. So it's like tailored training to suit your needs? Very much so. The training plan is developed in conjunction with the employer, the employee and the training organisation to to match best what the person is going to be able to practice in their workplace, what the employer wants them to be doing in the workplace, 
and to encourage the new employee to ask the questions, how do you want it done here? Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously there's some contribution towards that training cost from the government, isn't there? Certainly is. Um, it, it varies uh, from program to program, um, but, the, but the dollar figure is ultimately there from the government, whether it be a state government incentive or a Commonwealth government incentive, and there are both available, um, is primarily there to make sure that it's not really costing the employer to make sure they have skilled workforce. Mm. Um, in some cases, there's uh, you know, up to $4,000, for example, generally for a, for a trainee who's going to be doing something at Certificate 3 or Certificate 4 level. Um, for apprentices, there's a whole stack more different incentives that include things like tools, tools for the trade. Um, there's wage top-up incentives for uh, the mature age apprentice, someone mm-hmm. who's coming in to start a trade after uh, the age of 30, mm-hmm. mature age actually. Mm. You wouldn't think that, but <laughs> 30 is mature. <laughs> is there an upper limit? Uh, no, there's not. Okay. Any, any, anybody any age can sign into a traineeship or apprenticeship. So with uh, the government trying to keep people in jobs longer, even someone at 65 could start? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly if it's, um, if it's a new field or if, for example, they've, they've always worked on the floor but are now going to move into a supervisory role, mm. there's the ability for the employer to actually help, help that employee upskill to the level that they require for a management role. With apprenticeships, I presume they're still more structured. They go to TAFE or something like that for a period of time as well as working on the job? They do, um, but TAFE isn't the only training provider for okay. even some of the traditional fields now. There are quite a lot of different flexible workplace-delivered options. Oh, okay. And employers should just ask ask an apprenticeship centre, ask Mission Australia's apprenticeship yeah. centre. Yeah. What about uh, uh, the trainees and the apprentices? What's the benefits for them? Well, again, gaining the qualification while they're actually in paid work mm. is a huge bonus. Um, it's not going to cost them to do the training. All the training costs are covered under a traineeship or apprenticeship. Well, so, with, with the current economic situation and obviously people being laid off, is this something that we'll see more people probably trying to seek this training and, and changing? Well, there's a number of different effects that the current economic climate might be having, but I would think that it's a perfect time to be considering upskilling the existing staff that you have mm, okay. uh, and working with that. The government has only just very recently announced uh, another program to assist employers who might be thinking they'd have to uh, lay off an apprentice to encourage them to keep that person on or if they suspend them for a short time due to lack of work in this, you know, say, unsure economic climate, there's extra dollars now available to encourage that employer to put the person back on again when the business levels change. Mm. Um, so for any out-of-trade apprentice at the moment, there's quite a lot of government dollars available for an employer to take that person on because we don't want to lose the skills they've already gained. We yes. don't want to lose them out of the trade they've started. Yes. And, you know, obviously they want to be able to finish. That combination of finishing is includes the qualification and the work experience. So they have to have the two hand in hand. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's with the apprentice, with a person who's in a job at the moment, 
and we can no longer afford to have them in that job so we need to move them to a new area and obviously give them new skills that would mean something under the traineeship skirt would it exactly mm. or well, the apprenticeship it's it's you really need to seek expert advice sure. on each individual situation sure. And come and talk to an Australian Apprenticeship Centre. So Mission Australia is a charity, isn't it? Why, why would it be involved in these sorts of areas? Mission Australia is a charity, not-for-profit organisation. And I guess when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. If you put the combination together of education and paid work, mm. what you've got is the formula that breaks the welfare cycle, mm. the formula that makes people independent, valuable members of the community and that's what Mission Australia as a charity is aiming to do so this is seen as part of its charter yeah exactly great Kerry Lee Mitchell there from Mission Australia and certainly a, a, a great scheme from the government. Obviously, apprenticeships have been around for many years and have traineeships, but uh, great opportunities there for uh, maybe reskilling our uh, employees. Well, now we're going to talk to a man who has got plenty on his mind at the moment, so John Cayley from the Lake Macquarie Business Centre. How are you, John? Great. Julian, how are you? You're out there building a house, I hear. Sure am, mate. Got so plenty to do right at the moment. Plenty to do. So we've dragged you off there for a five minutes break. So, and we're going to be talking about business experts. Uh, so, what do we mean by business experts or specialists? Oh, people that, that, are, that can provide specialist assistance to your business in specific areas. You know, whether it be in sales, marketing, financial, legal, whatever. But so, they need to be specialist in those areas. So, so why would we want to use one of those? Well. Uh, you're going to get to the heart of an issue uh, that you may have within your business and rectify it much more quickly. Uh, typically, general coaching uh, is, is very good for developing a business. But when you have a specific issue within your business, mm. it's, it's very good to get a specialist and get it right and get on with it and, and your business will you know, be flying. Yeah, and we've got to obviously bring someone like that in at, a, at a, an early stage. Oh, you do. You know very difficult often to identify a trend that you might be going off in a specific area. So it's probably useful from time to time to get somebody in who's, who's good at doing a SWOT analysis on your business, you know, mm. understanding what the strengths and weaknesses are, identifying a weakness maybe that you're not even seeing, and then you know, identifying who's a good specialist to come in and rectify. So that's a, it's, it's a bit like the, the medical situation where you would go and see a GP for your uh, general health, but uh, he would then, or he or she would then refer you on to a specialist. Absolutely, it's a very, very good analogy. That you know, uh, again, though, often you don't actually know there's an issue in your business because you often get quite immersed in your business. Yes, this is this is where maybe a, a coach or you know somebody who comes in from time to time and just does a review of where you're at with your business, and and an outside eye is looking at it too. Very much so. You know, uh, you know, if you use uh, a specialist to come in and have a, a general overview of your business, that probably doesn't help you identify some issues. It's really important to get that generalist, that GP to have a look first. Because, mm. of course, one of the challenges will be, and I know that a reason why a lot of people don't use specialists is because the cost. Oh, yeah, but if you have a look at the payback, you know, it, it, it really is typically small. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just uh, if, if you bring a specialist in, and let's say... It, Argument's sake, cost you five thousand dollars. Let's say it's in a sales area. So the sales are dipping. So 
let's say you think, oh, gee, the business is not performing as well as it should. You've bought the generalist in. You've had a look at it, identified that it's a sales issue, and possibly even identified that you're not getting the most out of your existing customer base. So you get hold of a specialist to have a look at that, identify, you know, where you're not getting the most out of your customer base, how you can rectify that and get on with it. And, you know, margins are such these days, it doesn't take you long at all to recover that cost and then fly on from there. And, of course, uh, put some systems in place to make sure that uh, it doesn't happen again. Well, you, you, you must monitor. That's the other thing that a lot of businesses don't do effectively. They think that having a look at their accounts from time to time is monitoring the performance of the business. Yeah. But you really need to... There's a lot more that you need to monitor. You need to be very careful that you don't try and monitor too much as well. You know, there's a happy medium there that you've just got to get it right. Yeah, I, mean, I was with one of my clients this morning and he made the comment, he learned something this month that he needs to bring in a lawyer early and uh, it saved him a lot of money just by uh, getting a little bit of quick legal advice. Oh, yeah, you need a clear understanding of your position. Yes. Often, specifically in, in, in legal areas, mm. you tend to put it off until you're forced to go and see them because you think, oh, it's going to cost me a fortune. You never know when the cost is going to stop and so on. But if you've got a good lawyer, you go in there and say, look, I want a statement. Yeah, I, I want a clear understanding of my position right at the minute. Yes. And, and you know, tell me what the possible options are because often they can't be very prescriptive at that point in time. Well, I suppose that opens another little area there. Is, is there some golden rules on how to use a specialist? Oh, yes. Some guidelines. That's right. That's right. I mean, again, early. Your point earlier in the conversation there about identifying these things and getting people in early, that's so important. You know, you can, you can prevent costs by doing that. And giving them a strict guideline of to what, you, what you're seeking so that they don't just go off and uh, spend hours uh, willy-nilly. Well, you know, write a clear brief. Yes. Sometimes you'll do that with the specialist. Yes. You'll write, you'll write the brief with them so that you can... What you want is a, a good result and a quick result. Yeah. Well, great. Well, we'll let you get back to your hammering and uh, next week we're going to be talking about how we fit in the sales funnel. Life's not boring, Julie. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Thanks John. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. John Cayley there from the Lake Macquarie Business Centre helping us to understand the role of business specialists and how important it is to bring them in early and uh, get that advice quickly and it could save us a lot of money even though it might cost us a few dollars up front. It's time to have a look at our business tips and today we're looking at that uh, comment that we'll often get, it's not my job. As managers we've probably heard that saying so many times and maybe we've even used it ourselves. What a dangerous expression it is. And its symptoms are even more tragic, apathy and complacency. Do you know that it, in job in Japan, it's not my job is an expression that's almost impossible because the work, work ethic there dictates that everything employees can contribute is part of their job. It's an ongoing process where every employee's job consists of that for which he or she is responsible plus whatever else they can figure out to do, think about, look at or deal with. The overall attitude is one of, I care because I have pride in my work and my company. These mechanisms here will help overcome the it's not my job syndrome. Maybe we should consider some of these pointers. First of all, create a team spirit whereby individuals see their job functions as part of a team effort. For team spirit to work, 
a significant part of the bonus and incentive awards must be given to the group as a whole. Number two, when framing job descriptions, always leave room for the individual to contribute in areas outside of their job function. Number three, continually reinforce the message at staff meetings that your business is also their business, thus their constructive comments are welcome. And number four, get all the staff to understand and live by the law of continuous improvement. And that law states... Each employee's job consists of not only doing his or her job each and every day, but also figuring out how it could be done better. And of course, in these times of challenge with the the economy, it's important to have all our staff working together as a great team, making things happen for us. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. And a couple of seminars that are coming up that we should be aware of this week and next week. Tomorrow, if you're thinking of going to India or Southeast Asia, the Hunter Export Centre has a seminar on winning business in India and South Asia, Friday the 3rd of April, that's tomorrow, 9 till 12 noon, uh, in, at the Hunter Trade and Investment Centre. And uh, if you want any more information, talk to the Hunter Export Centre on 49087333. And also, if you're a woman in business, uh, next Tuesday evening at 5.30, the Hunter Business Centre has an information session on the Women in Business Mentor Program, which is commencing early May. And again, if you want more information on that, the Hunter Business Centre, 49257700. Next week... I'm going to discuss uh, how you fit in the sales funnel with John Cayley from our sponsors. We're going to chat with Jenny Nichols, the president of the Maitland Chamber of Commerce, and a business tip about a smart way of saying things. I'd love your company again next Thursday at the same time for Business, the Law and You. Remember, focus your passion on your vision.